Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. My name is uh, Nick Price. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Trinity. Uh, Trinity is not just Galewood. We are a multi-site congregation uh, throughout the Chicago area uh, that shares one mission. And that mission is to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. And so uh, it is my uh, privilege and my honor uh, to be gathered with you all uh, this morning as we're actually continuing a series that we're calling All In, uh, in which we're looking at this verse from Romans chapter 12, 1, in which Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What Paul tells us in that verse is he basically says, because of everything that we've received in Jesus— because of the ways in which God has poured out all that he has for us, the only logical, the only reasonable response is to offer everything back to him. And last week, we kicked off this series. Uh, Eric Hawley actually gave the message, talking a little bit about what does that look like uh, in our lives? Uh, why is that the only rational response? And uh, I had a chance to hear his message. I thought he did a pretty good job, right? He got us kicked off really well. So uh, some people were a little surprised because they only found out like 75% of the way through the message that he wasn't the pastor. So, uh, but uh, Eric is our vision team leader here. He kicked it off. We're going to be continuing uh, looking at this theme together, but I think it's only right that we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to the, receive the message that he has for us. So let's uh, take a moment and let's pray together. Lord God, we do indeed give you so much thanks that you have gathered us together this morning as your people, that we might learn from, uh, learn from you, learn what you've done for us, and how you, we are now called to offer our lives back to you so that through us, more people might come to know you to know your love, your grace, and your mercy. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So uh, one of the quickest ways you can find out uh, what matters to a person is to look at how they spend their time. Uh, to look at how uh, they schedule their days and how they schedule their weeks. Uh, in fact, what I would argue is that if you really want to know what a person values, don't actually listen to what they say. Instead, watch how they use their time. Because we can say all kinds of stuff matter to us, right? I mean, there's that kind of phrase that words are cheap. You know, you can say, oh yeah, this is, this is important to me, this is important to me, this is important to me. But when really push comes to shove, how do I know what matters to you? Well, it's how you spend your time. And the reason why is because we all have the same amount of it, right? 
That's like the, the great equalizer. It doesn't matter who you are, what job you work, what community you live in, uh, what position you may have. We all have the same amount of time. We have uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's it. We all operate on that same amount of resource. And so how we use our hours, how we use our days reveals a lot about what it is we prioritize, about what truly matters to us in life. And that's part of the reason why, as we're moving through this series, All In, we want to talk about what does it mean to be all in in terms of our time? Because our time is very, very quickly going to reveal whether we're all in or not. In fact, that's the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning, is what does our time reveal about our priorities, about where our faith really lies? Because I'll be honest, I find this whole like, theme of being all in extremely challenging. In fact, there, there's one part of scripture that, that before I, I ever became a Christian, when I was just kind of looking at Jesus and kind of exploring faith for the first time, I remember like reading through the gospels with people and I would get to this one part in, in all the gospels where Jesus calls his disciples, right? And he calls them to follow him and then they, they read something like this. It says that at once they left their nets and they followed him. Mark puts it that way. Matthew puts it that way. You get to the Gospel of John. John puts it that way, right? Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, follow me. And they just drop everything. Their whole, it wasn't just like they were like fishing as a hobby. This was their job. This is how they put food on the table. Was by going out every single day to fish, to bring in a catch. It wasn't just to feed their families. This is how they, they then took the, that fish to market. This is how they made their money. This is how they had their livelihood. And now Jesus just shows up. He said, hey, follow me. Let's, I want you to be all in. And they just, boom, they go. And I looked at that and I was just like, no way. There's no way that that's the way that actually happens. I mean, honestly, let, let's, let's be real about this. Some person that you barely know shows up at your workplace one day and says, hey, I want you to quit and follow me. And you're like, okay, well, how, how much are you paying per hour? Can you tell me a little bit about the health benefits? Like, like what, what, what health package do you have? You know, what incentives are you going to offer? It's like, nah, you know, we'll, we'll work on the details later. I just want you to come. Come on, let's go. How many of you would just hand in your two weeks notice? Yeah, none of us, right? That sounds crazy. The question is like, I mean, they're basically what Jesus is saying, he's like, I want all of you. I want your time. I want your stuff. I want every aspect of your life. I want that 24-7 from you. How did these guys get to a place where they were ready to say yes? What was it in them that enabled them to respond to so crazy of an invitation? So this is part of the reason why I'm glad we have four Gospels, not just one. Because there is one of the Gospels that actually gives us a much fuller picture of what happened before Jesus made that invitation. And we can actually find it in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And I want to go ahead and, uh, and read this passage for us this morning. It says, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two, uh, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This story helps us to understand a little bit about how it was that these guys were able to drop everything and follow Jesus. Because what do we see takes place? Well, we see that, you know, Jesus initially asks them to do something kind of crazy, right? He says, I want you to, to, to push out. We're going to let down the, the nets for a catch. Now, here's why this was crazy back then. If you really wanted to, to actually catch fish, not just like go fishing for fun, you know, and just spend some time out on the water, but you wanted to be successful in catching fish, every good fisherman in that day knew that the best time to catch fish was not during the day especially not in the middle of the day. Why? Because they knew that the fish went down deep where it was cool, uh, where it was dark, where they could get some food. And then they only came up to the surface at night. That's when the water was at its coolest. That's when the bugs were out. This is when all the food was. And so you went out in the evening. That was how you did your business. And Peter knows this. He's done this his entire life. His dad was probably a fisherman. His grandpa was probably a fisherman. His great-grandpa was probably a fisherman. They've been fishermen for generations. And now Jesus shows up, this guy that Peter kind of knows, but not really well. And we know that Jesus was by profession a carpenter. And so here this carpenter gets in his boat and says, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do your job. And Peter's like, no, you're not, because you might be really good at building like a house, but you don't know anything about catching fish. And Jesus is just like, no, 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 I, I want you to try this. I want you to go out. We're going to let down our nets for a catch. And in the face of this just totally crazy request, Peter's kind of like, all right, you know what, dude, fine. Um, I've seen you like preach a couple times and heal a few people. I'll, I'll, I'll humor you. Let's do this. And they row out, and they let down their nets, and what happens? They get a larger catch of fish than they've ever had in their entire lives. So much so that they couldn't even pull it into their boat. They had to call their partners to come. I mean, the, 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 the nets were so heavy, the nets were starting to break, and then the boats were starting to sink. And it's suddenly in that moment that Peter falls on his knees he says, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Why does he say that? Well, number one, I think he finally realizes that he's in the presence of someone with truly divine power. Someone who's able to, with just a word, bless him far more abundantly than he could have ever imagined. He's heard about this Jesus. He's maybe seen a couple of healings and miracles. He's listened to him preach. But here now, what does he see? He sees that his God is a God who provides. In fact, that's one of the Hebrew names for God is 
Jira as provider. And suddenly he realizes he's in the presence who can, of the one who can provide absolutely everything. And so he falls on his knees in worship, but then he says, I'm a sinner. Why? Because he realizes in the face of this God who promises to provide for me, I have not trusted him. I've not trusted him with everything that I have. The fact that he got into my boat and told me to do this, and my first response was to make an excuse and to say that I know better, you know, just, just reveals the, the status of my heart. And so he falls on his knees and he says, I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to follow you. And then I want you to listen to what Jesus says. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus' response to Peter in that moment is he says, I'm going, I want you to trust me and to not fear because I know exactly what you need. I will provide it in its right time. And all I'm asking is that you give everything back to me and come with me. I'm going to take your calling. I'm going to take your skills. I'm going to take your days and your time. And I'm going to teach you how to use them for an eternal purpose. I just love how, how Jesus kind of redefines Peter's whole conception of who he is, right? He actually affirms the fact that, Jesus is a, uh, that, that, that Peter is a fisherman, doesn't he? And he says, but now I'm going to teach you to, to fish for something that truly lasts. I'm going to teach you to fish for people. And in the face of that invitation, it says that they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. You see, Jesus saw something in Peter. He knew that Peter was exactly the kind of person that he wanted to call. You see, in that time and day, fishermen weren't worth all that much. You maybe thought about the fishermen on market day, hoping that they'd done their job and that they brought in the catch so that you could purchase something and buy food. They were on the, kind of the lowest, one of the lowest rungs of the socioeconomic ladder. And yet Peter, Jesus was able to look at Peter and say, you're a fisherman. You understand the importance of patience and timing. You understand the importance of hard work and casting your nets wide. You know what it means to, to carefully understand where to go to find the best catch and to pursue it with diligence. And those gifts in my hands, I can do something beautiful if you'll just trust me. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. And the question is, are you going to trust me? Do you trust me? You see, I think that's why Jesus gave them such a great catch of fish. He says, look, I can't promise you what every single day is going to look like. If you're looking for a, a term sheet of knowing how many hours you've got to put in and what the benefits package is, I don't have that for you. In fact, later on, he actually tells Peter, he's like, if anybody wants to be my disciple, they need to take their cross and follow me. He's like, this is going to be hard, but let me tell you something. I do know what you need. I'll provide it at the right time. And I'm simply asking you to follow me. So beautiful and so important an invitation. But the only way we can say yes is if we truly trust him. That's why we got to go back to that key verse for this series. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer all of yourselves back to Jesus. 
to offer all yourselves as a living sacrifice. I love that Paul says it's in view of God's mercies. Why? Well, because of what Eric talked about last week, because of the therefore, right? You see, in Jesus, what we see is we see a God who knows us, who loves us, who's willing to give everything for us, who will provide for us in our time of need. And when we see just the depths that Jesus is willing to go for us, the only logical, the only reasonable response is to offer everything back to him. Why? Because he did it first. When God calls us to be a living sacrifice, he says, I'm not calling you to do something that I've already done for you. Because in Jesus, what we see is a God who's not just willing to bring in the daily catch, but the God who's willing to provide us with eternity. Jesus himself came and was the first and ultimate living sacrifice. He doesn't just bring in the fish. He doesn't just bring in the catch. He's a God who's willing to go with us to the very, very end. A God who is willing to go to a cross and die for us. A God who was buried in a tomb and walked out of it again. And he says, and whoever puts their trust in me is a child of the living God, has the promise of eternal life. Yeah, Jesus tells us to give us all of our time, but only because he gave eternity to us. He says, I do want all of your time, but only because I've given eternity to you. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, and when the right time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves or servants, but you are children of God. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. We can trust Jesus with our time because he's given us eternity. Because he's laid down everything. And when we know that we're in the hands of a God that generous, the only logical thing to do is to offer everything back to him. All of our lives, all of our days, all of our moments. And his promise is that when we do, beautiful things start to happen. When we start to offer our time back to him, eternity starts to break into the present. I want to tell you one story about a guy in my small group. His name is Bob. Bob is a guy uh, who just recently retired. And uh, typical Bob, he loves to use his retirement golfing. He is a golfer. And so that's what he's spending a lot of his time doing. And we've been talking in small group about what does it mean to be people who offer everything back to Jesus and to live our moments in light of his eternity and in light of his grace. And Bob told this beautiful story the other day. He says, you want to know what? Most of my life I've been shy about sharing about my faith. But since I've been a part of this small group, since I've started to take Tuesday nights, to just be here, to study God's word with you guys, to pray and to share life. God's been kind of doing something in me. He said, the other night, uh, I, was, I, was, I had a couple of guys, uh, golfing buddies over to my house after we'd played a game. And, and one of them came up to me and said, you know, hey, Bob, uh, Tuesday night, we're going out. You know, we're going to go the, to the clubhouse. We're going to get some drinks. We're going to hang out. Love for you to come. He says, now in the past, I would have just been like, well, you know, I, if I knew small group is going to be like, well, I'm busy, but maybe next time. He's like, but I said something different this time. I said, you know what? I've already got a prior commitment. 
I'd love to go with you guys, but that's the night that I meet with my small group to study God's word. Second, suddenly that guy just stopped and he's just like, why would you do that? And so I told him. I started to tell him about this relationship that I have with a God who loves me, about the calling that he has on my life. And, and then suddenly he started to open up to me. He told me about his family and how he walked away from the church and, and his kind of on again, off again relationship with God. I realized before long, two hours had passed and this guy had opened up his entire spiritual story to me. And now we're meeting regularly to talk about faith. We're meeting regularly to talk about Jesus on my back porch because now my back porch has become a holy place. And all it took was Bob being honest about how he used his time. See, when we say we offer our time back to Jesus, it's not to just fill up our schedules with churchy activities. But to rather say, I do certain things that orient my life around God and his rhythms, around God and his mission. I find ways to be in community around God's word. I take time to pray. I take time to serve and to give back. I take time to gather together with my church family and worship. Because when people see that, they start to ask questions, why would you do that? Why would you use your time in that way? I use my time in that way because God has given me eternity. And they know that there's a different kind of priority that we're taking. And when we do that, doors begin to open up where we get to share the goodness of that eternity with those around us. That's the lesson Bob learned. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what will we do with the time that God has given us? If someone were to look at your life, if you keep a calendar, look at your calendar. If they were to watch you as you go about your days, would they know through how you use your time that you live in light of eternity? Would they know with how you use your time that your life moves in rhythm with God and his grace? The invitation from Jesus is come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. Give me back your time so that through your days and hours, eternity might go forward into the lives of the people around you that they might get foretastes of my kingdom and experience my grace as they simply take time with you. What do your days and weeks look like? What invitation is God making to you? Maybe it needs to begin with starting each day in prayer. Maybe it's saying yes to a small group community and saying that that is so important, gathering around God's word that I'm going to take the time. Maybe it's saying yes and stepping in to serving. Maybe it's saying yes to an even bigger invitation from God who says, leave everything and follow me. Whatever that yes is, and whatever hold is holding you back, Know that what Jesus says is he says, I know what you need and I will walk with you. And with me, you will begin to experience the beauty of eternity breaking into the here and now. For that is who our God is. He's the one who's all in for us and calls us to be all in for the sake of his mission. So, so with that in mind, I would like to pray. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are all in for us. That when you looked at our world, you didn't hold 
anything back. At just the right time, you brought eternity into the now. And through that, Lord, we can know, can not only know your grace and your mercy, but we can give it in how we interact with and reach out to those around us. And so, Lord, help us to say yes, to lay down our nuts and to place our lives back in your hands, that as we learn to live and to walk with you, more people might experience the hope of eternity here and now, that more people will learn to look, live, and love just like you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.